I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one. Do you want anything from the shop? Cut it out. Chocolate! It doesn't say anything about a chocolate, does it? No. No, it doesn't. Sure it doesn't. So fuck off! My boy says he can eat 50 eggs, he can eat 50 eggs. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore! You're certifiable, Quint, you know that? You're certifiable! Hello, Dimitri. Listen, I, I can't hear too well. Do you suppose you could turn the music down just a little? Oh, that's much better. Porik, it's winter. Winter is coming. Yeah, winter is here. Anyway, hello and welcome to the 52nd Spool Podcast. One pod for every week of the year. I'm here as always with Pork McGill. Hello, Porik. Hello. And this November month, we're chatting about the new Derek Keenfront's film, The Light Between Oceans, Marvel's latest offering Doctor Strange, the Ken Loach socialist masterpiece, as I'd call it, I, Daniel Blake, and then a special Werner Herzog double bill of documentaries. We'll kick off with the film about a lighthouse that we sort of disagree on. Do you want to... Yeah, so Light Between the Oceans had a weird thing where it opened on a Tuesday, came out on the 1st of November. It was very strange. It's not a blockbuster. Why yeah, is it out on a Tuesday? Why have a massive Is opening? it a midterm thing to catch all the teachers? Oh, it could be. <laughs> but open on the bank holiday then, no, because everybody's off and was like, well, what do we do? But I suppose nobody goes to the cinema on Halloween. Everyone's yeah. too afraid to leave the house. Mm. Don't know. Anyway, we got to it's the, now in cinemas. And then offside, we got to hear the Halloween theme tune a week ago with John Carpenter live. Yeah. That's kind of film related. That was brilliant. But very was, short. Yeah, the gig was an hour and 15 minutes, but it was a real treat. Um, yeah, it felt like one of those sort of things that you sort of had to go to to just work out what it was. Yeah. Gonna be. The visuals then. kind of made it. If it had just been him playing songs, it would have been a bit like, yeah, bit crap. Very Kurt Russell-y. Yeah, and yeah. And his son and his godson were on uh, playing with them, which I read. Oh, brilliant. Dave Higgins, uh, occasional spool commenter, uh, re- reviewed uh, the gig for State uh, magazine and, or website, it's not a magazine, and uh, very, very good and funny review. Um, cool, I'll check it out. he included that bit of trivia. I didn't know that. Who knew that John yeah. Carpenter has godchildren? Family, look. Anyway. Yeah. So The Light Between the Oceans opened and... Uh, it stars Michael Fassbender and Alessia Vikander, who are a couple in real life, as Nigel unzips his jacket. <laughs> and uh, it's a melodrama, really, kind of at the heart of it. Uh, Michael Fassbender plays Tom, and he's just come back from the front of World War One. I've read a lot of reviews. A lot of people are confused by where it's set. But then I was just like, yes, it's clearly in Australia, because during a wedding scene, they sing Waltz and Matilda. And I was like, oh, yeah. Because people yeah. are like, oh, Where is it Canada? Could it be set? Newfoundland. Newfoundland or yeah. somewhere off New England or something like that. Yeah. Because um, the, the, accent the accents aren't crazy strong, but I think there's a hint of Australian in them. Um, so Tom Forward was. Well, 100 years ago, the Australian accent probably wasn't very well defined because all the Aboriginals were probably being murdered. S- continuing to be repressed by English speaking people yeah and people English people right True, I don't yeah. know anything about Australian yeah, history yeah. but a hundred years ago I don't think there that, was that Alf Stewart the... accent was fully defined so um, I didn't know like we discussed yeah. this after we saw this together and I did not know where it was set and I watched most of it going oh I think it's probably probably like Nova Scotia or or New, Newfoundland or something off mm. Canada but then you're like maybe it is Australia. so is it for definite well you see the book is set there but you see Derek if you look at the stuff on IMDB and I haven't seen any interviews with Derek Key in France saying oh yeah it's Australia and it's not like there's any corks hanging from hats or Aboriginal people in it so 
Um, yeah, so Tom wants some solitude, once has seen the horrors of World War One, and goes, wants to be the lighthouse keeper. It's a short contract, it's only for like three to six months. He's like, yeah, suit me down to the ground. It's on Janus Island, or, you know, an outcrop. It's just basically a rock with a lighthouse on it. And the previous lightkeeper, you find, had a cabin fever and went a bit crazy and was talking to his wife, who wasn't there. So they were all a bit... Which was really dark. I love that. Yeah, they kind of are a bit, you know, oh, you're going to be okay. And he's like, yeah, I'll be fine. So while he's waiting to ship off to the lighthouse, he sees um, Isabel, who is played by Alicia Vikander. And they kind of instantly have this bit of a spark. And they eventually kind of get married and move to the lighthouse and I, I don't mention it in the review because I went and rewatched the trailer and you don't see it in the trailer so there's kind of stuff that happens with them and it makes it kind of very stressful and I think that's where a lot of the emotion comes from in it and then we have the kind of the big plot twist where a child arrives on the island in a boat and you're kind of like oh and then there's this kind of quandary of do they keep the child or do they not because clearly it's someone's child and uh, we have a clip here in the boat is it fair to say that in the boat there's also oh yeah a dead man a dead man yeah who, yeah, who has passed away but and he's dead and what do you do with the dead man what do you uh-huh. do with the living baby? baby and there's no sign of a wife or anything like that yeah um, so then this kind of creates this moral quandary with them should they keep it should they not and it kind of goes on and then they obviously go back to the mainland to see their grandparents and it's like oh here's a kid and um, so could, what would you say when they're on the island that they turn into do you think they kind of turn into the lighthouse family hey love it lifted Brilliant. you could be lifted uh, so we'll have a short clip here of of the uh, lighthouse family music videos no. I have them all uh, lighthouse family have a vivo pay like account isn't that insane anyway not a vine page though that's gone oh uh, so here's a clip of Michael Fassbender talking to Rachel Weisz, who's the other kind of main character in the film. Take me out to James with you. What? I want to see it. I want to see where you hide yourself away. I'm afraid that would be against Commonwealth rules. <sighs> the only woman allowed on Janus is the keeper's wife. Mary B. <laughs> what are you laughing at? You'd have to have rocks in your head to want to marry me. Better get you back home. Or they'll have the troopers after me. Come on. So that was actually a clip of Fassbender and Lizzie Vikander kind of getting to know each other when they kind of you realise that it's going to turn into a burgeoning love affair. Um, so yeah to me it's kind of a perfect melodrama it's a very old fashioned film the first 20 minutes are kind of very slow moving but I think the cinematography and the pace and how it's kind of perfectly set and you kind of go with it and you you wonder initially being like god is this going to be really slow for the whole film because you're kind of into it and like it could break into like a Terence Malick kind of film at points but then it some comes crashing back to earth with it like a the notebook almost and I was saying in the review on the website like melodrama seems like a dirty word almost and it's like oh god or like you know a weepy or a chick flick or something but I was like for what it is to me it was perfect like I gave it five stars because I don't think it could have done anything like I've, re- I've read other reviews and they say it's like uh, it's a bit wishy-washy in the dialogue or like the 
story's a bit crazy and there is elements of that but if you, I felt if you go with it you kind of you're fine mm. or like I went with it and it kind of sucked me in and I think what was interesting is that we both went in without having a notion about it is that fair? yeah true I didn't know not only I didn't know what it was about but like it got introduced and they had some stamps of lighthouses in the cinema with us and I thought that was great I was like what's this about and they're like oh we have these because the film is about uh, they're from the ORNLI the light, the like lifeboat people because the film's about lighthouse you know, oh that's interesting what the heck um, and that was good and again didn't know anything about the critical reaction whether this was going to win best picture or whether this is one of the worst the worst films of the year which is oh it's very rare I think we were both a bit asleep in terms of research beforehand but that um, I thought was refreshing um, but it didn't click at all well with me um I don't know I did feel because Derek Keenfriends as you mentioned uh did The Place Beyond the Pines and Blue Valentine both uh what's that 2010 and 2013 I think so um both real standout films for both of us we'd agree on both yeah. of them so I feel bad that we disagree on this um but to me it just didn't like it has the similarities all. of like a big love story but it's it's not very like his other two films so yeah I think people might be like and if you're a big Keen Florence fan I'd, I'd, maybe you mightn't dig yeah, it yeah like, and by leaving going back to that kind of Downton Abbey era um, you do you know it becomes a period film and that gives you a bit more leeway into it but I don't know I just found this story too sort of sensationalist and I have no problem with melodrama because obviously you know Todd Haynes makes films like this even I thought if Pedro Almodovar made it like it is the kind of film where he could have done it like this thing of a, a mystery baby and a woman going crazy on an island and having lots of tragic incidents on the thing um, but just kind of let me down and I felt, I felt it sort of dragged but then I went in sort of wanting a better sort of film I was, I, like a bit bogged down that day and it was yeah like, so it just didn't click at all but my parents have gone to see it right now as we record this so oh, wow. i look forward to the text review from them my mum would probably have fallen asleep and my dad will have said it was great i oh, think cool. but i'm curious to see what they come back with so it, it is, it's a, a film i'd recommend but it's just a film that did not click with me and the one that and i, was I put a caveat into people and people would be like oh you give that yeah but i was like this is kind of like a perfect film for me it's a bit sappy it's like mm. and I like the moral quandary in it too because you kind of like you, you can put yourself in the situation you're like Jesus what would I yeah. do you know if you're yeah, I would have burnt if the you're boat. trying to have a baby and you're just given one Jesus isn't that a bit easier like yeah, you yeah. just take that one because he pushes the boat back out to the sea and I was like I wouldn't be doing that I'd be burning that boat yeah I, there's something as well like that I still find Vikander and it was the same in the Danish girl and everything like my main thing with her is from um thingy last year X X Machina yeah and to me I still think of her primarily as that as quite a robotic kind of performer and I just couldn't get on board with her as an actress that Rachel Wise plays um, another female character in this and it's her plight I actually identified more with so like in terms of whose side you're on or who you're fighting for I was more interested in her and once we got off the island back to her I got a bit more engaged with it, um, but I kind of, I really like her. But I don't know, and they kept, they, they were shot, there was a lot of close-ups, I don't know. And and I got a sense, like, that being on the island looked amazing. And I don't know what, the, the guy who shot it also did uh, Macbeth, and I don't think he's done much else. Adam Arkapaw. Oh, his yeah. Name. And I loved how Macbeth looked, and I just thought that this, when I read that, I was sort of even more disappointed, because I thought the stuff on the island like there's, there's one sequence that's probably the standout bit for me is where there's a storm 
and he's up in the lighthouse she's in the house and the storm is I didn't know where it was going I actually thought the film was going to turn into The Shining um, but it didn't went, yeah. back, went back to being a women's picture um, but anyway like I say it wasn't for me I didn't like it um, I would still recommend it to loads of people yeah I think just, it could be a bit of a sleeper hit that it might get recommendations and people would kind an of an end of year one that shows up on yeah maybe not on lists but I, I think it's the thing like it won't be critically well acclaimed but like the p- people will get behind it or something yeah. you know um, anyway what else caught your fancy this month or do you want me to, uh, to do mine? Yeah, we'll talk about Daniel Blake for a few minutes. Go for it, yeah. So you get five to that. And then a few. I think you were just trying to compete with my five star rating for the Ken Loach film, um, I, Daniel Blake. So, um, Your first five of the year, is it? I think I, think I gave um, the Richard Linklater. Uh, everybody wants some. Everybody wants some. Okay. I get five. Again, it's difficult. You should, you should go into the cinema always starting at a five. And that's what he, different people. You start at zero, probably. Yeah. Up. I started five, and I just keep subtracting as much as I hate it. So anyway, I Daniel Blake. It's been out a couple of weeks. It's still there. Um, at this stage, it's gotten like they're talking about it in the House of Commons in England. Um, because at this stage, I suppose everyone more or less will have seen it if they want. But if 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 it's still worth kind of talking about, because mm. um, it's a the story of a Newcastle man by the name of Daniel Blake, the titular character in the whole thing. Um. And basically, he is a carpenter who have to get the the terms out. So he has a heart attack, a major heart attack, and then that means he's not, but he's not deemed sick enough for employment and support allowance. But he also his doctor says he can't work, which means he can't technically get job seekers allowance because he's not a job seeker because he's not allowed to work. Mm. So he's in this weird limbo, which has divided people um, in terms of anecdotally about whether this could actually happen and. People have said it's quite a sensationalist, simplistic version of events. Um, but he, it's like people, a lot of people's descent into poverty and homelessness that they don't actually set out on this path. But I thought uh, it seemed sometimes quite they make logical. Decisions. Yeah, or and like... the script um, written by Paul Laverty, who does um, loads of stuff with Loach, um, was based on whistleblower accounts and people who used to work for the Department of, they don't call it the Department of Social protection as we do in Ireland but the, um, some of these other departments of work and benefits DWS or something oh, okay, yeah. um, but anyway the the story is about technically about that but it's it's really about the fact that he um, befriends a girl who comes up from London with her two kids uh, Katie and she's kind of in her early 20s but maybe mid 20s and it, he kind of takes her because his wife has died and so Daniel takes Katie under his wing and it's really as much about her journey through the benefit system and the, the scene that's gotten everyone talking is uh, is one with Katie in it rather than, uh, than Daniel Blake uh, where it's in the food bank and a little insight into how impoverished she had gotten where she just goes in and midway through cracks open a can of beans and it's that was the most shocking I thought yeah because yeah, that, that for me yeah man. was just like you were like oh Christ yeah so it's it to, it just to me it just really really clicked saw it on um on just in the right frame of mind Mick Wallace and Claire Daly our esteemed uh, independent TDs were both in the audience with me weirdly enough but and it is the kind of film that I think politicians and people who work in the civil service and in particularly in it's not the staff like the frontline staff who work in in like you know these these departments are not to blame they're following guidelines on how to deal with people but you do get a really really good insight into just how horrible that process like both you and I um, 
have been on employment support at some point oh, in the yeah. last decade for yeah. for a bit and that's kind of normal and we were lucky we also had you know kind of parental support behind that so we're not out there and going on uh, going on about yeah but you get an insight in, into the system yeah you like... do get an insight into that when it, and we have co- you know your college degree and you're here going in having this interview are you fit to work and you're like yeah I know I'm fit to work I'm just waiting like, says no. I just need you you're just here to help with this gap um, and then I don't know if you ever went on those kind of false training seminars or anything did you ever have to go I on didn't, anything I wasn't on it long enough thankfully to have to go yeah. on one of those yeah. so you just kind of show up uh and they just basically you sign in as a thing at the door and that's enough to keep you looked yeah. after for another month or two while you continue looking for mm. work so anyway it's a good insight into that I clicked completely with me um, and Ken Loach is now 80 he in my head he's like he had he had obviously going to retire after um, but will he be spurred on by this yeah I think so I really hope Jimmy's so Jimmy's Hall was atrocious so it was kind of I was glad that th- he has come yeah, back and, and now I kind of put this on and won the Palm Door so he's free to retire if he mm. wants but it had really been a, quite a while like look I was going back through the other ones and looking for Eric which is one of my favourite films mainly because Eric Canton is in it um, seven years Still ago at this seen stage that. Uh, you need to watch it that was only seven years ago oh nine I think yeah oh, okay. and then The Wind That Shakes the Barley okay. was oh six mm. but in between that he's done different stuff he did a documentary on like the history of the NHS and mm. um, Jimmy's Hall and a few other things like that so I'm just kind of glad to see him back on top yeah. form. He can. Her story was kind of much more interesting to me. Like I thought, because the guy who plays Daniel Blake isn't an actor; he's like a stand-up comedian or something. Mm, a failed stand-up he, comedian or oh, non. Okay. Well, he was no, actually, that's unfair. Not very well known. Yeah, because like at times it was just like he can't really act, and there was bits toward the end where I thought there should have been more drama in it, and there wasn't. Like for me, her story was much more kind of interesting and engaged, and and it was interesting because like it's I retweeted. Uh, there's a guy who writes he's kind of bald Toby Jones mm-hmm. uh, he wrote Toby, uh, is it well, Toby Toby Jones is the actor who played oh. Capote oh okay so it's Toby it's the guy who uh, how to lose friends and alienate people he's a journalist for like something new I retweeted and he was basically tearing it apart saying it's like a load of bleeding heart liberals and it's important to see how other people see it sometimes you're kind of like oh, I can see points like he like you had said he was saying it's a bit you know uh, sensationalist and you kind of get a degree of that where it's just like oh well, she's forced into prostitution and it's kind of going to extremes in certain situations but then it's it's well enough balanced um, yeah but there's enough films made about people who are doing grand like we spend most of our time watching films about people who are like aspiring writers and in New yeah. York and California who just magically continue to have loads of money so it, to me most films about poverty and stuff like this are English films and I was thinking about yeah. The Selfish Giant and all oh as yeah well. but like I don't think I'm kind of a bit the whole uh, like political bandwagon kind of thing is just like nothing's going to change because of this no 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 I don't and think like I hate so, like all this it's like oh everyone should go and see it and then you was like no, yeah but I think nothing's going to on a smaller scale yeah Mick Wallace had that tweet on a smaller scale coming up to Christmas if you see food bank appeals or in the back of the supermarket where they're collecting food give loads of stuff yeah, I think that's yeah. just simple don't mm. like politically at the top level this obviously isn't going to really yeah. affect any great thinking like England seems to be somewhat more preoccupied with a few other things as in what version of the EU they're in and yeah. like this film again doesn't mention the word EU I, I, I don't remember hearing the word Europe I don't remember hearing the word Brexit don't remember anything like that but it, it's remarkably insightful into the English kind of sensibility they're probably mm, blaming yeah. Europe for all this even though yeah. Europe has no um, benefit system 
structure like this that they're being forced yeah. to implement or anything so anyway. and it makes it interesting I'll, I'll do a lovely segue here so there's a big part of it where how everything has to be done online and if you don't have a computer you're screwed or if you don't have any yeah. technology it's in the skills. trailer so uh, which neatly brings us on to lo and behold uh, a tale of reveries reveries of the connected world of uh, a Herzog um documentary the cinema last Friday yeah so come out in the cinema as part of a couple of weeks ago maybe it was an IFI documentary that kind of had a sneak peek of it and there was a Q&A with it wasn't Warner. the opening night film because Mattress Man was and this was playing Stole on Friday it. yeah so um, yeah so Warner has we'll, we'll do the two of these together kind of so he's another documentary on Netflix called Into the Inferno which is all about Funkianos also available from last Friday yeah and is so it's just kind deliberate? of like yeah I don't know I it was a bit, terrible planning yeah very bad the um, Netflix thing was an international date and lo and behold came out uh, it's on iTunes came out like two months or three maybe in July in England yeah or sorry in America uh-huh. so I'd say really they probably should have moved that for the UK release even back a week or yeah. two rather than or maybe not maybe it's a great idea that he got yeah. double the coverage but it meant if there was a feature or a review of one inevitably there'd be a line where they talk about both like us right now fair enough yeah so lo and behold is kind of I think it was 10 chapters and all um, looking at different kind of internet from the start where it goes and then he kind of goes into different pockets of it like he starts at the very start which is like oh here was the first thing computer that sent a message to another computer and then but he doesn't go into much to the which, whole which as an interesting note was trying to write the word log oh, and yeah. it crashed and left it with the word low and so the, so they were that's where the name of the film came from because no there was no better word to yeah, kick off the, the internet and the guy was just like low as in lo and behold and I was like that's a big reach yeah, man also you're low low for. also the butter you know yeah. so and there's lots of chapter titles that then like so the chapter title comes up and then there's someone talking and he says something and he was like in the internet of me there's like some security guy who says that and it's just like oh, right. uh, it feels a bit patchy to me it's kind of like it does have a linearity but like the whole thing for me I thought was that the World Wide Web was basically created in CERN it was like scientists sending stuff to each other now they do touch on that towards the end where it's like basically that's why the internet was connected it was just like scientists wanting to share information and blah 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 like he, the dark side of it he goes into with a really weird uh, where a girl was uh, killed and people were sharing uh, the crime scene footage images but, yeah it sounded yeah. like she'd been sort of decapitated or but something. like the way he shoots the family makes them look like oddballs now the lady has a, a theory that the internet is the devil and like loosely you could see where she's coming from but the way he shoots them I think makes them look like a bunch of American weirdos kind of and I thought that's a bit unfair like he mm. has that it's a kind of classic Herzog thing like there's another bit where he's talking of about electric cars and there's a guy who's showing and the shot is set up and he's recording and then he'll obviously go oh, and we're going to go so you have this five seconds of the guy looking a bit like are we like he does <laughs> that filming. so much throughout the yeah. thing and kind of leaves in these he's awkward pauses he's present in it though which yeah. I think is good in that he is clearly conducting the interviews but not overtaking the film but also applying his own sort of philosophical slant and sort of funny I actually would have liked to see it I don't think it needed to be seen in one sitting or in the cinema or anything I think it actually this will sound mental but I think it should have been offered up as 10 short films each one offered up on his own website yeah. one a day for uh-huh. for two weeks or something like that some of the ones at the start are a bit like out just there very simple yeah but oh, they're not connected like yeah. this person from the first one and I did like the guy 
the guy who had this other thing of explaining how referencing works on and the how boat copy and paste on something. the boat yeah yeah like some of these characters are brilliant like and all kind of middle aged men who were pioneers not not alcoholically yeah. uh, but, but pioneers in their time and have really stuck got great really really strong opinions and you kind of spend a few minutes with them and then they're gone and so I think it could actually have been better served as did you like individual structures but uh, kind of chubby David Lynch at one point there's two guys when he talks about the MRI stuff and I was like the guy in the right oh, really yeah. looks like David Lynch yeah a little bit a little bit chubbier yeah they um, were good they were talking about androids dreaming and it, it, like it touches on all really fun and interesting yeah it keeps your interest there's no the way stuff towards the end I kind of find more interesting than all the AI stuff and you were like because there's the guy do androids yeah. dream does the internet dream he keeps saying this to everyone he obviously got this idea into his head and he's like oh right this is going to be the last 20 minutes of the documentary and there's some really interesting points there's a great guy who um is saying that maybe will our children's children evolve to a point where they don't need other humans to exist and this where it's just just have a robot friend and they're like he's like that sounds terrifying to us but like maybe in the future it'll be That's like what they want. normal and i yeah. was like yeah well more and more like the thing that Siri and Google Allo are doing is where rather than doing Google searches, you do, uh, you ask a question and it comes back in question form. So you have like a WhatsApp conversation with a bot yeah. that actually gets you all the info you want rather than it be a search engine result as we think of it. So I do think that thing of like AI so slowly getting into our life and like yeah. Amazon and Google have their new products to I do. thought it was so it's very interesting great to see Elon Musk the PayPal guy who's starting this Mars kind of mission he yeah, the was, Mars stuff was brilliant as yeah. well and, and Werner was volunteering to go and he was happy with a one way ticket yeah. that was great there was trivia for that where apparently he's insanely nervous and you see it at that one point in the documentary where he's just left the camera on him for about 15 seconds and then he says something but apparently he would leave minute gaps between answering because he's so nervous and everything you're like oh that's like a lot of them seem like kind of oh these are all a bit odd all these kind of fine air guys but it's an interesting documentary it's not amazing it's not men there was one female in there who's kind of talking about the family uh, oh no no aside from the family yeah i'm not sure if she was an astronomer i think she was an astronomer she was kind of talking how like Mar- going to Mars isn't the answer because basically all we're going to do is go to Mars and destroy Mars Fuck if we off. figure out how to uh, fix yeah. Earth you know well, that would be a better solution um, um, uh, so I have a clip of Into the Inferno haven't had a clip in a while so this, this is- one's on Netflix right now yeah the sun dimmeth the land sinketh gusheth forth steam and gutting fire to the heavens soar the hurtling flames of the mighty gods, the engulfing doom. It is hard to take your eyes off the fire that burns deep under our feet. This was a monstrous volcanic eruption, one of the largest in all of Earth history. Obviously, there was a scientific side to our journey, but what we were really chasing was the magical side, no matter how strange things might eventually get. It is a fire that wants to burst forth, and it could not care less about what we are doing up here. This volcano will destroy this world.
perfect. I kind of want to go watch it again. Um, yeah, so this is already just about uh, volcanoes. Uh, we kind of hear at the start that Werner came across a guy called Clive Oppenheimer when he was doing a documentary about kind of... He was just in the Himalayas about a volcanologist kind of following them. Yeah, they were doing Antarctica. Yeah. So then he kind of struck up a relationship with this guy called Clive. And then he was like, oh, there's these volcanoes and we go see this. Um, so again, he kind of at parts in the documentary he goes on mad tangents but I feel they're more relatable like there's the whole thing with North Korea that was my favourite bit I was just like this is brilliant because I was like oh god not North Korea and the whole propaganda thing again but it was like alright it actually kind of all kind of spurs from this weird volcano kind of they worship it yeah yeah, and the log cabin near it where King Kim Il-sung is that his name like Kim Jong-un's dad yeah Kim Jong Il, yeah. So like they, we've had three generations, and that they all sort of worship the whole thing. I thought I thought that bit was incredible, yeah. but then it went into like how they're obsessed with like crowd, like getting a hundred thousand people there and getting them all to do their crowd formations and yeah. It went, visually, like this is the film I think should have been on the big screen. Definitely, I think this is much the better film. Uh, there's great footage as well because um, Werner was saying that him and Clive kind of were talking about. Uh, Katia and Maris Kraft they were these two French kind of early people who did all this um, recording of volcanoes and eruptions and everything and when you see the footage they took you were like Jesus that's insane yeah. like it's just in this lad kind of shuffling up yeah. and there's a volcano exploding in front and of them the river of lava yeah. I wanted to see a full film about them I actually would have happily watched it so. yeah it does dip in like some of them and again because you're watching it on the big screen at home you do have that and because Netflix is so easy to turn off and move on to the next thing like there's some of the bits that I could have done without like going the Ethiopian bit was a bit slow and there even was some in the Philippines yeah. the film starts terribly if that was like the 10 minute test they were they were in Indonesia and they instantly start into the most boring conversation interview with a guy talking yeah. about the power of and if uh, I didn't love Werner I would have moved on mm-hmm. I would have just would have hit next you know? yeah because so. the thing with Ethiopia is kind of and that's referred back to in his lo and behold documentary because one of the guys makes the point that like all humans might just be wiped out you know because we nearly became extinct when there was just about a thousand of us in Africa and they kind of talk about that in the volcano thing but they go on this weird tangent where they're kind of looking for the first or like this skeleton Fossils and, and I was just yeah. like is this actually like is it's this set up and they're like yeah. wait what are you saying this is only the third time a skeleton has been found in the continent of Africa and it happens to be when the cameras are there yeah so the one thing and um, I enjoyed Clive Oppenheimer too but I was was Herzog actually on site much that's what I was trying to work out um enough, was he actually yeah. behind the camera but he like his the hallmarks of his directorial vision are all over it mm. and he's obviously there a bit but you did sense that it was Clive and a cameraman on there was doing really, a lot of the work yeah hokey bit as well when the, at the start when they go and meet some of the natives and they're doing some weird dance and it all just seems to be playing yeah, up yeah that's why I hated the, yeah. the first that kind of 10 kind of minutes bit but then crap. after that um it really settles into it um, but the visuals are kind of amazing and it has this thing as well that was in the, the lo and behold one where it's just like there's a thing where the sun can possibly these massive sunspots like might wipe out all the internet and they were like oh well we had a sunspot in like 1827 and I was like oh, okay and then there's all these earthquakes like there was an earthquake that took place like thousands and thousands of years ago and left all this thing and you're like 
the big one in Indonesia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope there's some mad shit like that. But um, yeah, definitely worth checking out. You will find, lo and behold, Reveries of the Connected World in still in the IFI. I think maybe for another week or two. But it's um, on, on it's demand on, and everything. It's yeah, it's on American iTunes and will be on other on-demand platforms. If you want to go down the legal route, and uh, if you've got your Netflix or your brothers or sisters Netflix, you will find mm. Into the Inferno, which I think. I think I preferred. I don't know which I preferred. I thought they were both solid. For me, into the inferno. Yeah. Like, yeah. and also as a plug, uh, podcast fifty one is a Werner Herzog special. So rewind, uh, in the iTunes world that you live in or SoundCloud or whatever. Uh, we were on a boat and we talked about Fitzgeraldo and the supporting documentary Burden of Dreams, which again. Not so different. The start of Into the Inferno, going into the West, meeting the tribal kind of yeah. groups. His films. Great man, we love yeah. him. Um, he was in the first Jack Reacher film uh, as a baddie. I don't know if you saw that. Um, and he was also in Parks and Recreation. Yeah, Parks and Rec, best He's cameo ever. Um, so. Anything else we want to talk about from this month? I guess Doctor Strange is one that you haven't yet got to see, mm. but it's um, the big superhero one. It's the it is the big superhero mm. one. You're absolutely right. Um, in the it's the 14th Marvel film. We'll take a little bit of a click. Do they play um, the Doors song People Are Strange at all? I don't think so. There is great music in it. Okay. Um, but I When's don't. it set? Uh, in, in right now. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, here's Tip. a clip. This is Doctor Strange basically channeling Hugh Laurie as Doctor House um, in a hospital. He's got Rachel McAdams, uh, everyone's favourite Canadian-American actress. So here's a little clip. Well, I guess I'll just have to stick with Nick. Oh, wait a minute. You're not... You guys aren't... What? Sleeping together. Sorry, I thought that was implicit in my disgust. Uh, explicit, actually. And no, I have a very strict rule against dating colleagues. Oh, really? I call it the strange policy. Oh, well, good. I'm glad something's named after me. You know, I've added a laminectomy procedure, and yet somehow no one seems to want to call it the strange technique. We invented that technique. No, regardless, I'm very flattered by your policy. Look, I'm, uh, I'm talking tonight at a neurological society there. Come with me. Another speaking engagement? So romantic. You still love coming to those things with me. We had fun together. No, you had fun. They weren't about us, they were about you. Not only about me. Stephen, everything is about you. Anyway, on the way to that speaking engagement that he's blabbering about, he has an insane car crash and he is somewhat paralysed. But the main thing being that uh, Stephen Strange, the neurosurgeon, has really shaky hands really, you know, can no longer do his job. Probably the only person who could do the surgery that could save him would be himself. What a catch-22. Um, so, what he does then is... And the car crash is actually phenomenally well rendered on screen. Like, it's it's brilliant. The tech um, guys did a good job. They all did. Yeah, I presume he didn't go flying off it. So, right. So, he's got a problem. He's got a surgery. No conventional medicine is kind of working for him. He's a normal guy. He's just very gifted, you know, but he there's no superheroes, no nothing. It's actually gifted. Um, he might be intellectually he's everything well she kind of likes him and you get the sense like he has a kind of uh, really really awesome apartment like I'd say he's had a lot of uh, visitors um, to his crib mm. um, anyway so he goes off in search of a cure and ends up in Kathmandu in Nepal under and eventually finds the ancient one who is played by Tilda Swinton um, she I don't know how you could kind of 
Uh, not oh, so different yeah, like Kill I saw Bill or whatever. A clip of this, uh, yeah, the, the clip with Tilda, Tilda Swinton and thingy, and I was like, "Oh, it's the Matrix." Yeah, she does. <laughs> she goes. The do, and I was like, "He's she does Neo, a bit of bullet time. and she's Lawrence Fishburne." Yeah, pretty pretty much. Um, so he learns here that Earth is actually fighting off problems from other dimensions, and he then has to learn how to get on top of these he has um oh. he has a, it's kind of hard he has to he basically works out that the centers in new york hong kong and london um not that dublin are protected no and these are called sanctums and there's sorcerers there who are fighting off these like bad forces coming in in portals it's slightly bonkers of course hong kong's there yeah the asian market now yeah absolutely so well no this is all from the steve ditko and stan lee stuff from the 50s so this oh wow. is like a super super original it sounds real character. 70s kind of new age wishy-washy yeah. stuff but it's a little, it's the 50s, a little trippy okay. um i think anyway and so um the main guy trying to they're under attack and the guy trying to hit them is Caecilius and that's played by Mads Mikkelsen oh. and he is a master sorcerer who used to kind of be under the tutelage of the ancient one and he's sort of on the dark side and yet they're on the good side and anyway um, also in there are we heard Rachel McAdams um, as basically a nurse who has nothing to do and Chiwetel Ejiofor who plays another kind of student of the ancient one alongside Benedict Cumberbatch um, so there are, he plays Carl Mor- Mordo is his name it sounds a bit like Mordor but um, and where does it fit into the comic book universe completely separate to it except when he looks out the window you see the Avengers building so it's in contemporary New York um, he ultimately masters Stephen Strange masters the thing and he's so good but he has to learn everything and he fails and he learns like he has no he's not, he hasn't been bitten by a spider he doesn't have any incredible suits like Iron Man or he doesn't have any super strength but does he or, become like Magneto and Xavier in one basically not yeah okay there you go you've kind of nailed it so <laughs> so it's weird so he, the, the, here's the thing like it's it's really really enjoyable everyone is really good in it but as a story we've seen it so many times before but I don't really have a problem with that because it just shows that the Marvel films you kind of just know what you're going to get yeah. like it's going to be a solid It's we're pretty much now at the stage where every Marvel film is going to be two and a half or four stars like or somewhere in between like it, they're never going to blow you away anymore I, I think I don't think I yeah and we've seen it all before mm. even Ant-Man which was good still was very very safe so um Cumberbatch is good his English accent is gone so he's playing an American which is weird and like I said he's a bit like Hugh Laurie a bit um, bit funny Tilda Swinton gets to use her own voice which is nice Um, and she's very good I actually would watch her do anything she's um, fantastic I, think she's I finally watched yeah. a bigger splash I don't know did you see that earlier in the oh year? no Rod Fiennes she's again completely mm. different in so mm. uh, but the main selling point behind all this is seeing this film in IMAX 3D there's an extra I think an hour of stuff that's actually shot in the full giant screen thing so if you have 18 euro that's how much it costs to see in Cineworld in the lovely comfy new seats yeah. or if you're a Cineworld card unlimited card holder it'll be what like 580 Five, or something six, so it is worth it if you're gonna bother seeing this which people should definitely see it in that it's sort of like the best bits of Inception mixed in with those um your man Turnbull who did like 2001 mixed in with the Tree of Life Terence Malick is that Terence Malick, the, Terrence Malick oh. documentary gonna get a release here 
Uh, I hope so. I hope so. I hope it's before Christmas because like it's already been out in the states, and I was like, oh come on, mm. IMAX, show it. it. Doesn't look like it has much going on, but they should just put that on like twice in a week. Or yeah, it doesn't need to be oh, on totally. fifteen times. No. Yeah. Um. So visually phenomenal, brilliant, 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 and the director Scott Derrickson does had done a lot of horror, so he did uh, Sinister. Remember that film a couple of years ago? Deliver That's us one from evil I still haven't so. seen. Yeah, but everyone so, kind of says. So again, good. it's not a scary film, and because I suppose when you make a Marvel film, you're really just doing what your man Kevin Feig isn't that his name who just tells you exactly oh, what to yeah. do. So fair enough. Um, anyway, Doctor Strange is a solid. It's a solid three and a half for me. Thoroughly yeah. enjoyable. Uh, well worth seeing. You're going to see it. Uh, yeah, well, you yeah, it. sure. It's probably. very, very good mm. visually. <laughs> Okay. and the story's pretty good too uh, another one just to round up on November American Honey came out at the start of November um, it's directed by Andrea Arnold the start of October oh start the of, middle of October middle of October sorry yeah mm. um, so it just follows it's like a road movie three hour long kind of epic is it three hours oh, I haven't yeah. seen this I yeah no it's three hour. hours Um so it stars Sasha Lane she plays Star and we see her at the start where she's kind of you never really know if it's like her brother or sister or I think I kind of figured it that maybe she is similar uh, mother but the children then aren't really they're like brother and sister-in-laws and then her new like stepfather is kind of potentially interfering with her so uh, she just happens to come across Shia LaBeouf with a gang of like misfits and stuff and he sees her and is like here you should come with us and you know we do this scam well it's not really a scam it's like we go door to door selling magazines to people and we get a cut and it's all commission based she's like yeah okay so she kind of ducks out on her family what year when uh, present day as far as I can tell like um, there's nothing it's not 80s or 90s so I'd say as much present day um, it's too long for me like it didn't really drag but I was like this doesn't need to be three hours and towards the end it gets a bit repetitive because the love story develops between Jake and Star and I think Jake Shia Buff's character is a bit two dimensional he's just a bit like oh I'm jealous angry man so I'm going to punch the malls and get you know all up on your grill and it's just a bit like kind of seeing you do this already the most interesting person is Riley Kyo who plays Crystal and she's kind of the boss of the whole operation and uh, she's I think Elvis Presley's granddaughter because <gasps> she's um, Lisa Marie Presley's daughter I think is this her? yeah interesting she's um, the daughter of Lisa Marie Presley which I uh, interesting yeah so she's kind of the most interesting character um, and that was the most the best dynamic like it's it's really well it's really immersive because you feel like you're in the van with them like they're smoking loads and when I was watching it was like would you just please stop smoking like it's really disgusting cigarettes yeah and then the music is really loud and kind of pumping and you're just like jeez just turn the music down for a bit so you feel like you're really in there with them but like it just made me feel kind of old because I just felt sorry for them I was like Jesus what are you actually going to do with your life and I was like I bet none of you has called your parents and stuff so I don't know there was like six walkouts when I went to see it all age groups like uh, mid to late 40s I was like okay I expect that people who clearly were on a first date in their 30s and then young people I'd say early 20s and I was like alright maybe they just got bored by it but like it's not great like I gave it a solid 3 kind of a lot of people are saying it's a return to form for her but again it's a bit too long and but I still keep thinking about odd shots in it and stuff so worth looking out if you have 3 yeah. hours to spare I've missed it I did not know it was 3 hours but Again, it's very much top of it's the tough watching list a three-hour film not in the cinema. Yeah, you're kind of just like oh, I'll just go and never come back to this. Yeah, 
No, I think you have to see something like this. Mm. Um, very good. What was um, your moment of the month? My, I don't even. Do you got one? Yeah, mine was from Mascots. It was on a Netflix released film. Uh, Christopher Guest. I didn't realize oh, it was him, yeah. and I was watching it, and I was like, "This is really like a Christopher Guest film." And I was like, "Oh, it is," and there he is right now. Uh, so it's all about mascots who then go and compete in this competition. So they're all working on the routines. There's one character who's a plumber. He dresses up like Mario, kind of obviously, and he's a plumber and he's doing thing with a big toilet, and then he does his routine. And at one point, he's like, "You hear?" He's working on something to set him apart, and you're like, "All right, cool. What is it?" He brings out a thing. He's trying to unplug the toilet and he does and a giant shit comes out but it's a guy dressed as a shit like Mr. Hanky and he does this dance with him and I was like oh, that's hilarious uh, Chris O'Dowd is also in it as like a pikey uh, wrestler guy oh, Chris O'Dowd is so good at voices and accents that's <laughs> yeah. really great so this is on Netflix it's on Netflix to now everyone as well, as well. Yeah. interesting that Herzog Christopher Guest these guys are going there yeah first, so. I say it's so hard for them to get money though conventionally because yeah. they won't make any sort of yeah I'll go to Netflix the amount of recognisable faces in mascots is oh yeah phenomenal you'll just go oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, mine is from Jack Reacher Never Go Back which I've read some of the Jack Reacher books you know I read a lot and um, <laughs> so the Lee Child kind of series again the films are diverging away from the books in a lot of ways mainly that Tom Cruise is really he's about 18 inches shorter than Jack Reacher should be um, but anyway there's a, a really preposterous uh, closing bit the film moves to New Orleans and they just do this like rooftop chase which is really good during the Mardi Gras parade and jumping from back you know that Dixieland jazz music yeah, James Bond well, kind of it's just the most cliched New orleans kind of thing but it was very yeah is it live and let die was yeah, it? yeah so. so and they're jumping from the balconies and then onto this hotel and the city's kind of collapsing but I don't know I, the film I was was grand I saw and I it, but, but it's a good good sequence at the end in the, the trailer where it looks like Tom Cruise punches someone through a window and knocks them out like a car window he breaks the car window yeah, yeah. I was like this is impossible it's cool he was in the I'll explain that to you I'll just ruin the whole thing he was in the cafe under surveillance so you see him kind of pick up the salt cellar and kind of look at it he shakes it on his sandwich that's grand but he kind of inspects it or whatever then he 30 seconds later the two security guys outside are there and they're like blah 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 wait a minute where is he and then next thing you know and then you see that he broke the window with uh, his salt cellar okay I break windows in a former life that was kind of a job I did as yeah. a replacement uh, bus window man and I don't think you'd break a window with a salt cellar in your fist but he is a superhuman strength um, there's a lot person. of junkies but, around here that keep breaking my car window and I don't know what they knew so maybe they saw Jack Reacher and were like ah oh, that's how you do it yeah I just I just wish Tom Cruise would maybe get out of the comfort zone again and try to do a like I think Collateral is now 10 years old I think that's possibly the last interesting film uh, quite interesting no uh, what was the sci-fi film he did that was brilliant the where he lives every day over again kind yeah, of yeah but that's not him that's him just as an action man the, the brilliant we're both forgetting the name of the film um, yeah but that was an Emily Blunt as well yeah I want like to die another day, but it's obviously not. Yeah, but the thing with Edge of Tomorrow was that he was fun and he was. But having he was fun, fun in it. But he it wasn't film wasn't good because of him. The film was good because of the, the premise, like the I suppose, in the plot script and, and the story. Yeah. So just to try like a character and try a bit of dramatic acting, like he's mm. kind of we know he can do. What age do you think he is? Fifty-seven. All oh, right, no, he's fifty-four. Oh, okay. He will be getting a pension in ten years' time. Cool. That's kind of cool. From us, did we make him Irish? Didn't we give him an Irish? Um, thing? I think probably Ryan Tuberty probably did. Yeah. 
My interpreter's interviewing the boss on Friday, I heard. Yeah, it's not actually... In London. Oh, right. I presume it's going to be On terrible. the radio? No, on the telly box. Lately, it never does external interviews. But obviously, Bruce was available. About the book? Probably, yeah. They should have gotten um, thingy David McCullough, who does primetime as Ireland's biggest Bruce Springsteen fan to do it. Yeah. Anyway, we saw Bruce earlier this year. We did, yeah. He was great. Yeah. Bruce. Uh, what's your pick for next month? Mine is... American Pastoral it's out on the 11th of November um, is it the new American Pie film no it's oh. uh, from the book by Philip Roth the man who didn't win the Nobel Prize suck it said Bob Dylan <laughs> um, and uh, directed by Ewan McGregor who I think is directing a film for the first time um, yeah Jennifer Connelly's in there Dakota Fanning is uh, it a spy thing no I think it's a dramatic uh, thing. Why are you looking forward to this? You know nothing because about it. Because it's you and McGregor's directorial thing, and I'm setting up our. Okay, our, our end. You quickly up. do yours, and then we'll go back uh, to it. I'm looking forward to. I not- like when I know nothing about it. When I just look at the names involved, and I'm like, this will be interesting. <laughs> don't even know what genre. You've forced me to check kind of on the list. And, no, it doesn't that? I don't care. It's a, okay. something. I'm, we're looking at the poster here, and I was like, that could be a horror. It could be, I don't know, you know? Yeah. Um, so mine is Nocturnal Animals it actually opens tomorrow or whatever it's Friday the 4th of November it opens whenever you're listening to this Uh, directed by Tom Ford who directed A Single Man a couple of years back the film that Colin Firth should have won the Oscar for instead he won it for King's Speech Um, it looks amazing Uh, it's getting pretty solid reviews so yeah good suits yes Uh, so Ewan McGregor yeah Transpotting 2 yeah so the trailer um which we might play no we'll we'll no people will just go and check out the youtube yeah. uh link so t2 they're calling it aren't they like yeah, which is really the terminator is not on that yeah well this is it if you google t2 you get um you're getting train spotting you're getting a digital agency terminal 2 dublin airport <laughs> like i don't know calling your t2 colon train spotting i think is a shite name yeah um if danny boyle is listening i don't know what he's playing at but there you go why can't you just call Could it train spotting 2 yeah or train spotted or yeah mm. anyway so the trailer hit what did you think yeah it looked good looked everybody looked very old and bigby looked kind of Ewan mcgregor doesn't look that well i suppose when you think about he him in that film to me i think because we've of. probably seen him so much mm. um but johnny what's his name johnny lee miller we see him in sherlock uh or not the sherlock in the american elementary yeah and so i kind of know what he looks but robert yeah, carlyle looks a bit rough but yeah. i think he's almost had they were like oh no you have to do that for the film because i've seen him in other stuff and he still yeah. seems really skinny and normal yeah um but yeah they just kind of looked old and it looks a bit mental like it looks a bit too full on mm. like I got, was getting flashbacks to what was that terrible film Danny Boyle did after he won the Oscar that you loved and I was like this is bonkers don't know 127 hours no the other one with it's the literally pardon um, the what do you call him's in it oh it's terrible rambling podcast now sorry um, the Scottish guy who plays Professor Xavier is in it Danny Boyle directed that, right? I I don't know. We'll we'll find out. This will be very interesting because I seem to have mentally blocked this out. He also did the Olympics. Here we go. Like there you go. Trance. Yeah, no? trance. Yeah. Right. That was terrible. Yeah, but I'm not sure I I loved trance. Ah, you did, no. No, I thought it was 
uh, kind of I was getting flashbacks to this and no, I, was... I don't think I loved it this is a film I have not even mentioned in three, in, this is like three years ago I don't remember talking about it no I think you, did, you dug that now and I was just like no nah, it's bonkers uh, so because there's like loads of crazy visuals in the trailer and like lots of I was just like oh, I don't know but I'll definitely go see it and I'm sure it'll be solid good what did you think of it um, yeah same thing I have no great like affection for the first film like I, I look forward to it it's not it's kind of like when the absolutely fabulous film came out I was like oh here's something from the 90s that that's like, a bit harsh though. that's kind of nice no 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 just something that I was like I'm pretty passive about you know and I'm looking forward to it oh, okay. it's not my generation we, we are probably five years too young True, for Trainspotting kind of to be our Britpop, you... Britpop passed us by it's of that exact yeah. thing um, it's the OAE, like it was the video at home though that you were like you're you're not really allowed to watch this yet. Yeah. There were certain 18s you could watch because there was it just their violence. Fight thing. Club, like if we think about the way Fight Club holds like a certain cultural and social reverence, probably in my yeah, head, yeah, because uh, that's just at the verge, just as you're hmm. like coming to it's transition much more year solid and insert film, kind of though, I think. Ah, uh, yeah, would yeah. No, I think Fight Club's fair. <laughs> I love so it. anyway, the That's segue... the name of this podcast, Fight Club versus Trainspotting. <laughs> the segue into our scene it, and it kind of ties back into Daniel Blake. It's where Spud is going to meet the social to do his interview thing, because, you know, oh, look, I'm looking for work, but you don't want to try too hard because you actually don't want to get a job. So here's the clip, and we'll see you in another couple of weeks. Yeah, a couple of weeks, possibly for a Westworld podcast. Here's Trainspotting. Good luck, Spud. Cheers, Catboy. Now, remember, what? if they think you're no trying, you're in trouble, right? First hint of that, and they'll be onto the DHSS. This cunt is no trying, and your gyro's fucking finished, right? Right. But then again, try too hard. You might get the fucking job. <laughs> exactly. Nightmare. It's a tightrope, Spud. It's a fucking tightrope. See, I just get pure shy with the interviewer cats. Like, I get all nervous, and I can't answer any of the questions. Like, I'm a footballer, and I get nerves it's on a big occasion, man. Try some of this, Spud. Yeah, a little dab of speed is just a ticket, mate. No, I went to Craigie, Craig Newton. I just put down to Royal Edinburgh College to help get the job. There's too much discrimination in this town, man, because they're both schools, right? And we're all in this together. And I wanted to put across the general idea rather than the details. Like, people get all hung up on details. Like, which school did I go to? How many openings did I get? Could be like six, could be none. It's not important. What is important is that I am, yes? Mr. Murphy. Do you mean that you lied on your application? No. Well, yeah, oh, yes. Only to get my foot in the door. So the initiative in that, like. But you were referred here by the Department of Employment. There was no need for you to get your foot in the door, as you put it. Yeah, cool. Whatever you say, man. Sorry. You're the man, the dude in the chair. I am merely here. Like, we well, obviously, I'm here, like, but. Mr. Murphy, what exactly attracts you to the leisure industry? In a word, pleasure. Like, my pleasure in other people's leisure. Do you see yourself as having any weaknesses? Oh, yes, because, like, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, actually. Yes, I am. See, for me, it's got to be the best, or it's nothing at all. Like, things get a bit dodgy. I just cannot be bothered. But, yeah, I get good vibes about this interview thing today, though, man. Seems to me like it's going pretty well, eh? Thank you, Mr Murphy. We'll let you know. <laughs> the pleasure was mine, man. Spud had done well. I was proud of him. He fucked up good and proper. You had to hand it to Spud. I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one. Do you want anything from the shop?